Hello and welcome to The Loudmouth. I'm your host Stuart Simpson and today we're talking about the importance of brand positioning in advertising. To help us do that, there's nobody better than David Reed, the founder of Because Brands Matter. David, thanks for joining us today. Before we get stuck into the topic, would you mind telling us a little bit about your background? How did you get to where you are today? Hi there. So, um, so I uh, went to art college in Edinburgh. I was doing a degree in uh, visual communication, which was graphic design. And uh, towards the end of my degree, I decided that I wasn't that interested in graphic design. I was getting a bit bored with it. And what I really liked was being involved in communications that could actually change perception. So I wrote to a few of the local advertising agencies and um, I was very lucky. I was in the right place at the right time. I got picked up by a very small company that had only five people called the Leith Agency. And I started there as a, a junior art director and uh, worked my way up. Um, I was there for eight years and then decided that I would just start my own company. So I started an agency in 1994 with two other guys um, called 1576. That ran for 14 years until 2008. And then in 2008, I went out on my own as a, a sort of brand and marketing strategist. So drawing on my creative past, but very much what I'd got, what I'd become very interested in was the idea of how brands can position themselves better for the future. And nearly all the work I do nowadays is about is for businesses that have reached a bit of a crossroads and want to do something with their brand, take it to another level, and they need a bit of help in order to do that. Let's just dig straight into our main topic, um, brand positioning. What are we talking about when we say brand positioning and, and why do you think it's so important? So brand positioning to me is a bit like, it's like an architect's plan before you build a house. You know, it's really important. It's like a blueprint. And it's really understanding um, the fact that it's this bedrock that you build everything on top of. So it's knowing what your brand proposition is. It's knowing what your brand essence is, your values, brand personality, brand truths, brand purpose. And it's bringing all of this together to create something that will help make you stand out from the competition because building a brand it's all about building trust through perception um at the end of the day you can't go around telling everyone what your brand is people will decide what your brand is they will form an opinion about it so the job of a brand proposition or a brand um brand positioning is really to articulate that in as clear and simple a way as possible so that if someone thinks of your brand they have a perception of what that brand is now hopefully that perception is a positive one mm -hmm. um, um, and my job if you like is to to work with business owners to make sure that we can give the brand the best chance of success by creating that positive point of difference I mean you make it sound like that's a really easy thing to do I, I suspect it's a bit more complicated than that actually creating understanding your own brand that well I mean that's that's a difficult starting point to begin with Anything's difficult when you try and do it yourself because you're, you, you can't be as self-critical as someone from the outside would be. So, you know, that cliche about helicopter view, when you work with, with someone like me who can come in and ask difficult questions and stand aside from the organization and ask them, you know, why do you want to do that? Does that make you different enough from X, Y, and Z? 
don't you just think that you sound like other people are doing that? Now, I can challenge a lot more. So really, that's, to me, it's not that difficult because it's it's something that I've, you know, do for a living and, and I've got experience in doing. But I think a lot of the time, businesses that don't do that and try and do it all themselves internally, they're not really uh, getting the best out of a situation. And and to be honest, they, they'd be better looking outside their own little universe. So when you go into a company, have you found that companies are good at knowing where, where they're coming from or actually do a lot of companies not really understand themselves until they start this process? I think they, I think they understand bits of it, but, but when you take lots of different views within a company, you get lots of different answers. And my job is to draw those threads together and try and get everyone going in the same direction, try and make sure that everyone agrees what the, the USP of the business is. And if you do that, you've got a great chance of success. You've got no chance of success if you've got four or five directors who've all got a different understanding of what the USP of the business is. Um, so really, all what I'm doing is I'm, I'm not going in there to be smarter or cleverer than them. I'm working with the insight and the knowledge that they already have. But what I'm doing is I'm pulling all those threads together to make it consistent and to make it more believable. Our focus here at Loudmouth is a little bit more on the advertising side of branding. Um, how does brand positioning feed into feed into that? Well, br- brand positioning should lead to a really, really good creative brief. So if you've got a very solid and tight, robust brand positioning, then you've got a good idea what you're trying to communicate within a creative brief. Um, so a good creative brief with a well-thought-through strategy has got a great chance of delivering strong creative work. Um, and, and strong creative work has got a great chance of engaging. If you've got a bad creative brief, you end up with fuzzy thinking, you end up with irrelevant creative work, and you end up with uh, suboptimal um, success because, because that work has not been done in the first place. But I always say, and you know, I'm sure you've heard this before, if, if what, the more you put into a brief, the, as in the better quality the brief, the better quality the creative output will be. If the brief is rubbish, the creative work will be rubbish. The worst thing for us as a client who, who, it's not that they don't know what they want, but they're very much like, what do you think we should do? Um, and that sounds like the sort of opposite of, uh, of good brand positioning. Yeah, well, I mean, as I say, I, I can help them get to a point where they know what they should be saying. Um, the creative interpretation of that comes later, and sometimes I'm involved in that as well, other times I'm not. Um, but again, it comes down to having those building blocks in place to enable you to have a good brief, to then have the best chance of doing great creative work on the back of it. Can you tell us of, or think of any companies that are are really good at brand positioning, just so we can see where you're coming from? Well, if I give you a historical one, um, I think sure. Guinness, I think Guinness. You know, they've been going as a brand. Guinness has been going for coming up for three hundred years, I think. Well, not quite three hundred years, maybe two hundred and seventy-five. But they started. You know, their marketing, their advertising started one hundred and fifty years ago. And they became really famous around about the 1920s, so almost 100 years ago, with some of their early campaigns. And I think what's brilliant about Guinness is they've always had really, really confident brand communications. They know that they're a standout brand. They know that there's not lots of 
stouts with with certainly with their heritage and their their track record. So, you know, they they're, they're they do brave, bold advertising. They don't get stuck in a rut where they just run the same thing for decades and decades. They move, and I believe they were one of the first um, brands ever to to invest in analysing consumer trends. And naturally, through that, they've evolved their campaigns um, going forward. So if you go back um, back to the sort of 50s and 60s, they were doing stuff that was really quite humorous. Um, and then over time, they've become less humorous, but they've become more serious, but more thought-provoking. So I think, you know, it's just a great example of a brand that I think has got permanence, but is it's constantly evolving. Um, another brand that I think is really you know it's a new brand but it's very sure of who it is and what it is is tesla um you know teslas have only been around for a short number of years but when you see a tesla in the street you think quality you think performance you know that they're the brand leader in electric vehicles um they never mention price. That's not part of their strategy because they know that they're not a price-driven model. They're a quality-driven model. So their cars go for longer than ordinary manufacturers' electric cars. You know, it's a it's a it's a it's a quality offering. And I think that that's a very clever brand positioning. They don't try and make excuses for who they are. They just they're just Tesla, you know. They are, if you like, the leaders of that of that that sector. I mean, going back second there to Guinness so I mean their brand position I feel like has changed a bit over the years I mean you're talking about them being around for hundreds of years which you know most companies don't have an advertising archive that goes back that far so uh, just just on brand positioning is it something that can change over time then that but it's still identifiably the same brand if you see what I mean yeah, absolutely. Brand positioning has to change because nothing stays the same. Yeah, you have to change. But I would say a, a brand positioning piece of work would last you up to 10 years. But then you have to keep re-looking at it and re-looking at it. I mean, it's a bit like it's to do anything to do with marketing communications. You have to make yeah. refinements. So, yeah, you don't just do it once. You, you, but again, you don't need to do it every year. I think if you get it right... It should last for, I always say between five and 10 years, but I would like to say more likely between eight and 10 years. But again, that depends on the market you're in. I mean, if you're working in renewables, for example, that changes very quickly. If you're working in food and drink, that changes very quickly. If you're working uh, with, say, a professional services firm, like a legal firm or an accountancy firm, that probably doesn't change quite so quickly. So, So the sector sometimes dictates the speed of change but yes there is always change is evolution better than sort of revolution in in brands then would you say uh, i think it depends on the brand i mean if if the positioning is wrong and the, the external perception of the brand is wrong then sometimes revolution is needed uh, rather than evolution but it's it's all down to the challenge you know some some brands just need to be slightly tweaked as they move along in terms of their messaging. Other ones might need a wholesale um, reboot and some might need junked altogether. I mean, it really depends on on the market conditions that surround the brand. Yeah. So, I mean, you would say there are no drawbacks to getting your brand positioning correct, but um, are there any drawbacks to, to getting brand positioning? Can you get stuck? Well, I wouldn't say there are any drawbacks because it's like saying, is there any drawbacks 
behind <laughs> behind having a game plan or a tactical plan. As long as you as long as the tactical plan and the 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 positioning has flexibility and if it's not working you have the 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 opportunity to change um as i say i do, I do think change is important but i mean if we look at i mean some sometimes a brand positioning can be absolutely rock solid and you think it's great and it's working and then suddenly something happens that just was a little bit unexpected and it, it i'll give you a good example so John Lewis for years have been this kind of purveyor of, of expensive advertising. You know, everyone waits for the John Lewis Christmas ad and yes. it's usually quite entertaining. And sometimes you like the music, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you think the idea is a bit crazy. Oh, it wasn't as good as last year. But by and large, they're always pretty good. And John Lewis has kind of created this mystique of being the the, the country's moral compass. You know, the kind of the brand that is reliable, it's reassuring, it's kind of the best you can be of being a sort of quality British brand, if you like. So all that's good. And then all of a sudden, they get a bit too big for their boots and they think, oh, we're John Lewis, we can do what we like. So they create an ad for home insurance featuring an eight-year-old boy dressed up as a drag queen wrecking his house. Now, you don't need to be a genius to know that most people are not going to warm to that. It was yeah. a stupid ad. It got banned almost immediately. It would have cost hundreds of thousands to, to, to create. And people have got sacked for that, quite rightly. The most damning indictment of that ad I can give you is that John Lewis would not have paid out had someone willfully destroyed their own property. So the whole premise of the ad was wrong. But I think yeah. sometimes that's where you get, where a business can get so up its arse that it thinks it can do no wrong. That feels like they they weren't really understanding their own brand to even go down that road. Well, I think, as I say, I think they lost focus. I think they, mm. I think they thought at one point, you know, as long as we're in, we're on the beat of the nation, and the, the nation is embracing, you know, people dressing up in drag and da da da, and all that's fine. But to do that and to equate that with, well, be who you can be, let life happen, destroy your surroundings, mm. <laughs> it's just bonkers. I mean, I, I, when I saw that ad for the first time, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And it was no surprise that it was taken off air very shortly afterwards. So just just coming to the end of our, our WeChat here, I mean, so we're obviously, again, we're, we're talking about the advertising side of brand and um, what sort of things can um, agencies and people who are making advertising, like what, what can they keep in their minds to help uh, create ads that tie into brand strategy? What, what sort of things should we be thinking about? First of all, the client has to have a really clear idea of what their single-minded objective is. So it starts with the client, and that has to have, obviously, um, you know, solid brand positioning behind it. Then that needs to be communicated clearly to the agency. The agency will have, as well as the people who will take the brief, the agency will have planners and creatives, and it's up to them to interpret that um you know what that strategy is and, and how best to to then apply it and then then i think and this is quite, this is probably slightly unusual for me to say this but sometimes the client will have or will be prepared to undertake research and i've worked in agencies where you know 
research isn't seen as being a great thing. And I've worked in agencies where it's seen as being a really good thing. Now, personally, I'm a big believer in research because I think that you can get some real nuggets out of research. Um, and I'll give you an, an example. So when I was marketing director for a company called Border Biscuits, we were we were interviewing and doing focus groups with um, people who who buy the biscuits. And and in nine times out of ten, the the, the target audience uh, in those days was 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 female purchasers, and they were buying Border Biscuits, but they weren't buying them for themselves. They were sorry, they weren't buying them for their families. They were buying them for themselves. Um, so we that en ended up in quite an interesting discussion, and from it we did we discovered that a lot of women who had kids and were married were actually buying the biscuits but then hiding them. So they were hiding them in the washing machine, or they were hiding them in their knicker drawer, or they were hiding them in their um, shoe rack. So they were hiding them in places that their husbands or kids would never find them. Right. And that actually that bit of research then became a really interesting press campaign. Um, another example might be Heinz Baked Beans. They did some research a few years ago. Uh, it's called ethnography, where you go into people's houses and you look at how people use a product, use a brand. And they discovered that um, whilst they were selling uh, they were selling the full can of beans, they were also selling these half cans of beans. But people didn't like buying the half cans of beans because they weren't good value for money. They were only slightly cheaper than the full can. So people were buying the full cans and then chucking out half the can because they'd, they'd gone off. So that was the insight that led to Heinz having these um, fridge-ready packs, you know, that have got the either the microwave pots or the kind of bigger, I don't know what you would call it. It was like a plastic pot that's maybe yeah, got... a screw top. Yeah, exactly. So, and those beans keep for longer because you've not opened a can, you've not broken that seal. So that's where research can actually help um, define or, or influence the creative process. So for me... After the planners have got involved and the creatives are involved, the research, I think, is important. And that's where, at that point, you get the production company involved, you talk to directors, you talk to filmmakers, you look at um, how can you bring that story to life and how can you embellish that story and make it even more interesting, make it even more believable or make it even more memorable. Um, and then ultimately... After that, it goes to the general public. So it's quite a long chain. I mean, you know, I've just yeah. described a model there that would almost be a, the lifespan of a TV commercial from the original client strategy right through to it going on air. And that could take a few months, but that is when you get the best work, when it's got that kind of lifespan of, of good, of positive involvement and challenge, but also influence of things like research and different ideas. So it sounds like to get it right, an awful lot of things need to be sort of lined up almost perfectly just to get get to that perfect end point. Well, it's like anything. I mean, nothing in life that's any good is is simple. It, you know, everything you have to fight for everything to be good. The challenge is to make it look simple. You know, make <laughs> something look simple, but the process of getting there might be quite arduous. Um, and and you know if you really care about what you produce and you care about the commercials you make or you care about the press ads or the posters or the TikTok video or whatever, not everything has to be perfect, but the more time that's spent thinking about it and preparing, the better the outcome is going to be. I think that's a perfect place for us to end today. 
thank you, David, for joining me. If people want to talk to you more about this topic, uh, where can they find you on the internet? Well, uh, my website is www.becausebrandsmatter.com. So it's brands with an S. And if you put David at before becausebrandsmatter.com, uh, you can find me or I'm on LinkedIn, David Reed, um, based in Edinburgh. And uh, I'm very lucky because I, I love what I do. And I like working across lots of disciplines. So, and I'm very fortunate that the the brand positioning work that I do covers a multitude of sectors. So for me, it's never boring. It's always, it's always an interesting challenge. Thanks very much for listening to The Loudmouth. If you've enjoyed this episode, then why not subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. You can find out more about us on the web at loudmouthfilms.com, and you can find us on Instagram at weareloudmouth. We'll be back next month with another dose of creativity. We hope you'll join us then. Mm-hmm.